The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to use on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about to hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative Word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is a um, teaching video from Bradley. There was some kind of problem going on yesterday. I don't know what it was. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm guessing it was on uh, Bradley's end. The, the reason I say is because we stream to a company called Restream, and then they stream to the different platforms that it goes out on. And whatever was coming into Restream yesterday was kind of choppy and stuff. It's really, really kind of strange. Anyway, I downloaded the video. Only 30 minutes recorded, so Bradley said, no, let's just pull that, and I guess maybe he'll do it again. I don't know. Uh, but this is a video that gives the gist of what was going on there, of what was taking place in Nazi Germany in the 30s. And so <clears throat> it is an important lesson because I'm going to tell you, uh, I watched a documentary. Let me break here just a second because I'm starting to go through all this stuff here. I watched a documentary years ago. It's called Hanged on a Twisted Cross. It's the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've been reading um, <clears throat> his book on discipleship, and there was another one that I had. I forget which one it was. And I got it. Um, interestingly enough, Ed Asner, of all people, was the narrator for it. I highly recommend you watch it. And the reason I do, this was back in the probably mid-90s that I saw this. <clears throat> Bill Clinton was still in office. What Was he still in office? Yeah, he was still in office. Um, he was in office, and they were showing what was going on in Germany then. This is in the 90s. And I thought, this looks eerily familiar to what I saw in the 90s. Really? You know, two cars in the garage, chicken in the pot, everybody's happy, all that kind of stuff. And we had, of course, the, the, the money situation that went in there as well, but... All that was going on, I, 
I wanted to break because I won't, I won't say it. I'll forget it between now and then. So real quickly, just wanted to get that out. Hanged on a, twist, twi- uh, hanged on a Twisted Cross. You can probably find it on YouTube now for nothing and watch it for free. Uh, on the right side of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com, that's where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. we got a lot of friends over there, so good morning to you guys. Good to see you. By the way, yes, the pre-show music was Dan Vask. Um, I noticed that he had a new song that came out after the first of the year. Um, it was called Oh Holy Night. That's I like that song, and I don't care if it's around a certain time of year or not. Uh, the truth of what's sang there is, is the truth. Plain and simple. So uh, you may hear that in the summertime. Maybe I'll do that when it's a nice, bright, sunny, 95-degree day. We'll play a holy night. So we've got that to do, okay? <laughs> you can check that out. Um, we're also live on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page over there. And then back to sonsoflibertymedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live uh, is where you can sign up for an email newsletter. Because that once a day, late afternoon, early evening, and uh, you guys can get that. Yes, I took my background off. Um, I, I'm thinking it was taxing the the video service a little more. I I've just seen it tax uh, the computer a little more than what it was doing, and I guess that's because of all that video and stuff that's going on there. Anyway, here we are. We are ready to go. All right. Um, so we put up the story yesterday. Indiana couple appeals to Supreme Court after their child was taken from them for refusing to use preferred pronouns. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I know what it is to be a parent who has to deal with CPS. That's what we call them here, Child Protective Services. You may call them something different uh, somewhere else. Um, but can, can I just say this? The reason we have Child Protective Services is because the church has not done what she's supposed to do. The church should be handling this. The men of the church should be handling, if there's some kind of a real problem in the home, they should handle it. On this front right here, this is nonsense. This is something that is a parental jurisdiction. It's not the state to do this. Frankly, it's not even the church to deal with, with the particular story that's coming out of Indiana here. This is a parental jurisdiction. The state has no business in it. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, the couple's child is going to tell them, well, I want to be, I I think I'm the opposite sex. Well, what's the answer to that? I love it. Well, you're not. You can think that all you want, but that doesn't change the reality that you're not that. And so the state wants them to call this child by what the child deems it is. Talking about having things completely backwards, and mom and dad are like, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. They have some sense about them um, that they're not going to do that. The story uh, from National Review, and I'll I'll play the couple here in just a second, is two Utah school districts are encouraging staff to conceal students' gender transitions from parents. On Monday, Lord willing, uh, we're going to have Alex Newman on. He's got a new book called Indoctrinating to Death, I think is the name of it. Uh, In fact, I think we 
put it up. Yeah, it's up on the it's up on the site. So if you go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, you'll see it right there in the site. It's called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death: Government School Government Schools War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. Okay, so you can find that on the uh, on the Sons of Liberty Media or sonsoflibertymedia.com. Right. So be sure and check that out. Alex is going to join us, uh, Lord willing, on Monday, and we're going to talk about the fact that. Public schools are completely incompatible with Christianity. Incompatible with them. Education is the jurisdiction and the responsibility of parents to their children. It is your responsibility. I remember we, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, I remember we went out to a church plant in Iowa Gosh, it's been a long time. It's probably been 20 years since we were out there. This church plant. Reformed Baptist Association put this on. These are guys that believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation in all of life. They believe that. And yet they were up there telling us they had a guy coming in telling us how to incorporate. It's like, what? You want to be a creature of the state? What in the world are you talking about? Then we had guys saying, oh, parents can choose these things of education, and I believe that parents can choose, but they're the primary educators. They can choose if they want to have their friend over here who knows Greek to teach their kids Greek, or this person over here who knows the violin, and they can teach their kids a violin, and they, can, and they don't know how. They can do those kinds of things. But to send them to the state to indoctrinate them apart from God, and listen, every subject that if your kid is in a public school, Every subject they're learning, they're learning apart from the Creator. Whether it's math, they're learning it apart from the Creator. Whether it's geometry, they're learning it apart from the Creator. Whether it's history, they're learning it apart from the Creator. Whether it's math. Did I mention that? I mentioned geometry. Math. Whether it's reading and writing, it's devoid of anything from the Creator. Do you know there were books, and you can still get them online, there are still books online that you can get. Um, there, were, there were courses, there were high school courses in Texas. I think they were back in the 50s and 60s and any, and any before. And they were, they were basically Bible studies. And you had to complete them but, or you couldn't graduate. That's what they did. Now, I don't know that I want an agent of the state teaching the scriptures. <laughs> I don't know that I want that. Okay, But I'm telling you right now, if you're sending your kids to the public schools, you're just turning them over to the devil to be indoctrinated. That's what you're doing. I mean, I don't, I, I don't see how Christians don't see that. I mean, I, I truly don't see how they don't see that. And I know the excuses that will come. Well, we can't afford it. We get, look, you guys all understand my financial plight, right? My wife and I have had 10 kids. We've been married almost 30 years. We've done it from the beginning. Not because we're super spiritual or, you know, we have all these means to do it because we didn't and we never have. And along the way, not only are they taking taxes out on property, threatening to take my property if I don't pay their their property taxes to indoctrinate everybody else's kids, we had to go spend money on our own books. And we would borrow books or whatever we had to do to do things. But the point was, 
is there was a, a, a biblical foundation for why you're learning these other things. So National Review talks about this couple, and we're going to get to those practical things again here before the end of the show, because we're always going to go for the solution, and I'm going to give you the solution, folks, if you want the solution. If you don't want the solution and you want to make excuses for why you're not obeying the Lord, then make the excuses. But I'm here to tell you, I can't let you make those excuses without confronting you with your responsibility. Just, I'm just saying, okay? And I understand some families are broken up. I get it. I get it. And that's where the people of God need to come in and the investments that we need to make in one another is even if we have to go and say, hey, instead of, you know, maybe you're a person who has the luxury that you're quote unquote retired or you've got enough finances and you can help a brother or sister in educating and you can talk with their their moms and dads. Maybe you have a good relationship and you can help in that area. That's great. That's what the church ought to be doing, not the state. That's my point. Okay? All right, so <clears throat> here's what here's what uh, National Review says about this Indiana couple who had their child taken from them um, for simply not going along with these pronouns. National Review reports two Utah school districts are engaging, or excuse me, encouraging staff to conceal students' gender transitions from parents. Policy manuals distributed to teachers and staff by the Nebo and Alpine school districts instruct teachers and staff not to notify parents or guardians. I, you know, I got to tell you, <clears throat> this sounds criminal in nature that you are, you are going to hide something from the parents that is such a serious issue. It's a mental issue. Listen to me very carefully. How many of you guys remember when the man brought his son to Jesus and he had a demon? And when the child would get near water, the demon would throw the, would throw the child into the water. Or if he was near the fire, he would throw him into the fire. How I many you guys remember that? And the disciples couldn't get rid of it. And so Jesus rebuked the spirit. He got him out. And he said, these things, these only go away with prayer and fasting. How did that child get a demon in him? How did a child, the very model of heaven, the one that Jesus brought and he sat on his lap and he says, such is the kingdom of heaven. Forbid them not. And if you cause one of them to stumble, it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. How does one of those, the model of heaven, how do they get a demon in them? Stop and think about that for a second. I, I know all kinds of people have all kinds of different views as to why these things happen and this, that, and the other. But our children are susceptible to those things too. And don't tell me that when parents turn their children over to the state in a public indoctrination setting that is anti-Christ at its core, that they're not opening their children up, not only for bizarre things, but to be controlled in such a fashion. And that's what's going on. I, I mean, I've never in my life and I don't know how many of you are. I'll tell you, you know, when you're going through puberty and stuff like that, man, your mind is all over the place with 
different kinds of thoughts about who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and all this other kind of stuff. And I can tell you that as one who was taught in my home, the scriptures. I know the things that young people get tempted with to think and to do. And that's why we have parents, not agents of the state. That's why we have parents. Because parents are to love us, they're to nurture us, they're to discipline us, they're to grow us in the grace and the admonition of the Lord. They're to correct us, reprove us, instruct us. They're to do all of those kinds of things. But where are the parents today? Well, they're out having to work chasing lawless paper money in order to meet their needs. In fact, I was making mention of this to my boys the other night. We were having a conversation, <clears throat> and I said, this is why Dad was thinking, man, you know, mine is not to run from the problem. Mine, I want to see the solution. And the more I look, the more I see whatever you and I are doing to survive, we're doing that chasing paper money. We are. Why do you go to a job today? You're going to go there to chase paper money to go and meet the need that you have. If it's food, if it's house, if it's electricity, if it's in it, whatever the thing that, you, that you're purchasing with that money. Now, <clears throat> and it's lawless money, by the way. It's not gold or silver, so it's not constitutional and it's not biblical. It is fiat money. It is commanded money. It is not actual intrinsic value. And I, we've done shows on this. We've shown you even the Federal Reserve says so. It's just the value of the paper. The only reason it has money is because you think it, it has values because you think it does. Whereas if you go back, what, 150 years, how, what were people working for? I mean, you guys have watched Little House on the Prairie. And you see Pa and the family come in and they settle in there and he builds the house, right? And while he's building the house, he's also out there plowing the fields, right? What is all his work for? Is it for paper fiat money? No. It is for the very necessities he needs. A home, he builds it. He cuts the wood. He nails it up. He goes out there and he plows the field and he plants a seed and he harvests it. All of his work is geared towards what they need, not a piece of paper. And see, there's the trap. This is what we were talking about with Kirk Elliott on the other day. We've been conditioned that we need money to survive. And don't get me wrong, I think in the culture, at least until we purposely make the commitment to do things the right way, what's going to happen is we're going to continue to, quote-unquote, need the money to survive. And I'm not saying that even people like Pa back there, and I, I apologize, that's, that's on me. That's the computer um, going blank here for just a little bit. But people like Pa who he would need money at times. There were times he needed money, and he would use that. At that time, I think it was lawful money, but he would use that to do what he had to do. Let's get back to this. Getting off on a little rabbit trails here. <laughs> Excuse me. So they wouldn't refer to by name or pronouns of the opposite sex outside of certain limited circumstances. Nebo instructs staff to heed the ACLU's guidance. Remember, the ACLU started out as a communist organization. It still is a communist organization. They're pushing communism. I know. Sometimes we do reports, and they're like, for First Amendment speech, 
But they're for that in order to get their guys freedom of speech to speak their uh, the things that are against the established government. And when I talk about the established government, I'm talking about from the foundations. I'm not talking about uh, what we call the establishment does today. I'm talking about what's written. He goes on, he says, they heed the ACL's guidance, which is very protective of a student's right to privacy in his or her sexuality, and adds that school employees should not only notify parents if a situation exists which presents a serious threat to the well-being of a student, pursuant to Utah state laws, otherwise, volunteering known information about a student's sexuality with parents is not advised. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. That's their practical tips for interacting with transgender students, according to National Review. The couple is Catholic. I don't know if that's... I know there are distinctions of those things, but I'm going to assume it's Roman Catholic. They say Indiana state government took their trans son away from them because they refused to use his preferred pronouns. Mary and Jeremy Cox, you're going to hear them in a minute, who were Catholic, were investigated by Indiana officials for refusing to affirm their child's transgender identity. Where, what, what crime is that? Again, this is the jurisdiction of the home. Where is the crime in not calling somebody who is a boy a her or a she? or any, You know good and well they're not that. Do I have to be very... Clear and plain on this, I'm sure dad saw the day, saw his son the day he was born. Moments after he was born, if not, saw the birth itself. And what did you see, dad? Can I be blunt here? Just not to be gratuitous, what did you see? You saw male genitals on your son, didn't you? You saw a penis there. That defines, I mean, it's showing him to be a man. Now look, I've run into some people, I've seen their stories... They're referred to as intersex now. It is not normal. It is the abnormal. Nevertheless, I don't think some of these people, I don't think they're sitting here, you know, in a twisted mindset. I think something was done to them. That's what I think. This was on Rumble. Sometimes you'll get the the feed on the side and you get these videos and I'm like, okay, what is that? I've never even heard of this. What is this a new thing? Ran across two Gosh, I, for all intents and purposes, they are a girl. But whatever happened in the development process, the, they, they don't have the internal organs of a woman. Rather, they have testes, but they're internal. And I guess everything looks different there. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be graphic, okay? It's embarrassing to even talk about it. But I think something's been done. It's probably been through the shots or other kind of things like this. I've run across two of these. They look like young women. They haven't had surgeries. They're not taking hormones or anything. And they explain what, what's going on to them. But they don't realize that something has happened. That is not. And they try to make it, they try to say it's normal because there are other people who experience it. Just because other people experience it doesn't mean it's normal. It's not normal. It's like hermaphrodites. They're not normal. They're an exception to the rule. Well, see, Tim, and everybody wants to focus on the abnormal rather than the normal of what they should be doing. 
And all these things come into play. We have to address them. We can't hide our head in the sand from them. But I'll guarantee you these people have been poisoned, whether it was through vaccines or whether it was through other drugs and things like that. And I'll guarantee you it's probably their parents who were poisoned and these things are leading on. You've heard Kate say it's not about what you're doing necessarily just in, during your pregnancy. It's what you were doing the year before your pregnancy. And it makes you wonder. Nevertheless, this is not a situation like that. This is an issue where this young boy thinks he's a girl and he wants to be called a girl. And mom and dad won't go along with it, so I'm going to tell the state. Now listen, right there, right there is the very thing that China does. And communist countries do. They get the trust of the child through the public indoctrination centers that they call public schools. And then they get their child to rat out their parents or to turn on their parents. Why? Because mom and dad were not faithful with what God said, Deuteronomy chapter 6, to teach their kids. So we're going to hit that in just a minute. Here's another one. This is from the Daily Mail. The Indiana couple have... Uh, and by the way, the, the, their child, he was 15 at the time, was removed by Child Protection Services. Men, do you know what to do with somebody who kidnaps your kid? Do you know what to do when somebody comes and tries to kidnap your kid? Your child, I'm using those terms, I understand, kid, goat, sacrifice, I get it, I get it. And I used offspring specifically, yes, Bethany, I did that. <laughs> they come to take your child, your offspring from you with no legitimate cause to do it like you won't call the boy a she or a her. Do you know what to do in that situation? I think you try to talk to them and warn them. And if they want to be persistent in that, I'm just going to say this. This is why you have a Second Amendment. And you have, I'm going to tell you, you have my blessing. I'm going to encourage you. Yep. And I don't care who's there to do it. You can be the President of the United States. And no, I'm not making any threats. Let it be clear. I'm not making any threats. Anybody that comes to take your child because you won't call a boy a her or a she or a girl a him or her or a him or a he... They're coming to kidnap your kid. It is your duty. It is your duty to stop them by whatever means you got to stop them. That's your duty. And I'm not saying it lightly. Trust me. When I tell you guys that I'm preaching to me, I'm preaching to me. Remember when David would preach to himself? Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. He's preaching to himself. Don't be down about your circumstances, David. He encourages him. Put your hope in God. He's the one who delivers you. Oh yeah, I preach it to me too. I preach it to me. And it's not radical to stand in defense of your children. That is perfectly normal. The fact that we think, or that people would think, that a father would use violence to stop wicked and evil men from harming his family is just about as backwards as it gets. Backwards as it gets. Here's this family. They're investigated. And they've had their parental rights taken. I mean, it's just... And if any of you guys have ever listened to my friend Jim White at um, Northwest Liberty News, 
good friend of mine. He's been on the show several times. I think he's been on with Bradley a couple of times too. Jim told me uh, he had been covering CPS like three shows a day, all these families, that CPS was just wrecking their homes. Haven't you had enough? Haven't you had enough? Do you know why? I want to play the, the couple here in just a second. Do you know why now they are trying to push forth law to undermine the law like they always do to stop any paramilitary organizations? That includes your constitutional militia, by the way, because they know that's the answer. They know that's, that's where their Achilles heel is, if you will. Men, you have the authority biblically and constitutionally, to form militias in your counties and in your states. You do. You are the solution to what you're seeing right here. Now, it ultimately starts with that here that I'm going to play for you in a second. Okay? Ultimately starts with, um, with Jeremy Cox here in this particular situation. It starts with him. He's the dad. It's his jurisdiction. But Jeremy should have men in his community. He could call up and say, guys, CPS is here. They're threatening to take my kid. And you have 25, 50, 100 men show up armed. Oh, yeah, I said armed. You have the right to keep and bear arms. That is not a crime. I don't know where the state got the idea that they can tell you how you can carry those arms. If you can carry those arms, you have to have a permit to carry them. You can have them in your house, but not in your yard. You can have them out here. I don't know where they got the idea to do that. Constitution's clear. The right of the people shall not be infringed to carry open, to conceal, a rifle, a pistol, whatever you want to carry, however you want to carry it, a sword, a switchblade, a knife with more than so many inches if it's a lock blade or whatever. That is a right you have. And why do you, why do you have those rights? Is it so you can go uh, hunting? Is it so you can go target practicing? Is it so you can be involved in sports shooting? No, it's so you can defend yourself. Ultimately, that's the first thing. The second part is so you can be a part of the necessary militia for the security of a free state. That's what it is. So let's hear from this couple here. This is, um, this is Mary and Jeremy Cox, and just want you to hear what they have to say here. 2021, we unfortunately had to become reluctant warriors when our child was removed from our home after DCS became involved in our family life. When our son was removed, it was like someone pulled the rug out from underneath us. Um, as a father, I believe one of my main goals is to keep my children safe. And I can't do that when the state comes into our house and takes our kid because we can't, in good conscience, affirm his transgender ideology. His disappearance made a, a huge hole in our hearts and our family, but we will always love him and pray for him. Our child was out of our home for 17, 18 months altogether, ultimately aging out of the foster care system. We were able to visit with him at his discretion, basically for about two to three hours each week. Though we pushed constantly for additional engagement, um, attended family therapies, um, we were never able to have an agreement for additional time with him. So 
as a mom, having limited access to your children is it's heart-wrenching. I miss his laugh. I miss being with him, talking with him about everyday things, teaching him how to bake, how to cook different things. There's so many things that we are to our children, not just their first teachers, but basically their first loves. And to miss out on that during such formative time in his life, we'll never get that time back. We didn't pursue an affirmational approach with our child because first, as Christians, we believe God created us as male and female. And as parents, it's our job to help our children to reach their full potential. And the only way we feel to do that is to raise our children through our Christian beliefs. Secondly, we didn't go with the affirmational approaches because we did a lot of research on this subject. There's, there are many different approaches. We spoke to multiple mental health care providers and ultimately decided that affirmation was not going to help our child. In our experience, this is not an isolated incident. There are a number of families here in Indiana experiencing the same issues that we've gone through. The mental health support services that we experienced were very much following an agenda towards affirmation only, which for our family was not going to resolve our child's issues. We are speaking out about this case now because parental rights need to be protected in Indiana. Our family should have never had to go through this. We don't want any other family in Indiana to go through it either. Parental rights must be protected in both law and culture. This should not happen. Okay, all right. <clears throat> I know the interview's cut there a little short. It shouldn't happen. That's exactly right. It shouldn't happen, but it is. And again, I want to ask you something. Where was CPS 100 years ago? They weren't in existence. And if this happened, and look, I, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? We went, to, we went to 1 Corinthians 11. I believe that's talking about gender bending. I believe it's, it's obviously the very, at the very heart of the, what happened in the garden. The undermining of the roles of the man and the woman. This is always the place where Satan attacks. The natural order that God has established. God, Christ, man, woman, children. That's the authoritative line. The, the roles are distinct. We look different. We are made different to do different things. I don't have hips on me to sit a baby on. I don't have breasts to feed a baby. I don't have the internal organs to carry a baby. I'm clearly made different than a woman. Doesn't matter if I go off the deep end and God lets me go, because that's what Romans 1 says. He lets them go. Doesn't, doesn't change the natural order that God gives just because somebody may go off the deep end and say, no, I'm really a woman. Doesn't change anything. 
You're the one that needs to be corrected and fixed, not encouraged in your deception. And by the way, a lot of these health, mental health professionals, I'm not sure that they're very helpful to people either. This is another one that came out last month. This is a Montana couple. They lose custody of a teen daughter after opposing her transitioning. I'm going to tell you, if you know what this is, if you have any love for your children, you're going to oppose them if they come home telling you they're the member of the opposite sex and they're going to, quote-unquote, transition to another sex. First of all, you can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible. And you can 3D print all the body parts you want and do all the surgeries and the mutilations that you want, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. This is, this is from National Review as well. A family in Glasgow, Montana is accusing the state's Child Protective Services of kidnapping their teenage daughter after the girl began to identify as a transgender boy. Krista and Todd Colstead, I've reached out to them to see if we could get them on the show, um, but nobody's responded, so I, yeah. But here's their story. They um, spoke to Redux about ordeal, revealing that the child had been removed from their care and was now going to be sent to Canada. Krista, the child's stepmother, explains that their nightmare began in August of 2023 after they received a call that their 14-year-old daughter, Jennifer, had expressed suicidal ideations while at school. Okay, so wait a minute. So they will tell you, the school will tell you if they're having suicidal thoughts, but they're not going to tell you if, if they're expressing insanity by saying they're a boy when they're a girl or a girl when they're a boy. You see how that works? They'll, they'll tell parents when they think they need to tell them to inform them because in the end they're going to get the parents on this. That's what they're going after. They want to get the parents out of the way so they can get the kids. This is what they're doing. And I'm going, to, I'm going to play this other, where it's in the congressional record. This is, this is all about what they're doing, attacking the kids. It's been going on for decades. Later on that same evening, a, 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 um, a caseworker with Montana Child and Family Services showed up to the Colstead home to speak with Jennifer and do an inspection uh, Krista had, been preparing dinner at the time, and invited the care caseworker to tour the residence despite both her and her husband being distressed by the sudden appearance. While Krista has expressed fear that the family's legal avenues are limited, she has said that they intend to find any means they can against Montana Child and Family Services as well as the hospital where Jennifer was treated. I'll also be looking as, or excuse me, looking at if we have a case against Youth Dynamics Group Home for socially transitioning our daughter. That means they encourage them to dress like the boy, uh, these, these girls to dress like the boy, to take the hormones, blockers, uh, getting them in the mindset to where they go mutilate their bodies. That's what social transition, calling them the he and the, the him, if they're the girl or the opposite, if they're the boy. This is not about money. This is about standing up and telling our story so that does not happen to another family. We will fight to save our daughter no matter what it costs us financially or emotionally. That's what parents do for their children. Amen. That's exact, that is exactly what they do. But again, you have to ask in many of these cases, what do they have in common? 
What do these situations have in common? Not, not every single case, but I'm going to say the norm is the children are in public schools. They're already being indoctrinated. Why do you think they're thinking like that? Because they're already being indoctrinated. They're already thinking like that. Parents, I'm begging you. Really? You love your kids? Get them out of the public school system. Do whatever you have to do without. Take on whatever you got to take on to get them out of that. There's plenty, look, I'm telling you, there's plenty of opportunities we have for small jobs that we can do at home to bring in extra income. I'm one of them. I do about four or five different things just to make dance meet. Do what you got to do to do your duty before God and instructing your kids. We're going to talk about that in just one moment. Um, I want to take you over to this. This is, uh, this is a video that Bradley has done. We've played it before on the air. And um, really interesting because it goes back in time and it shows you decades ago what these criminals had in mind for your sons and daughters. You're seeing it right in front of your face. Oh, after they were caught with it, after they were put in the, in the congressional record, what happened? Well... They were caught. They're caught doing it. It's, I, I don't know what to say. They've been caught doing it. The, sto- the two stories I just gave you are the result of this here, this very thing. So with that said, um, this is on, and I don't know why it's not blowing up, but let's just see if we can, uh, well, we can't even open that. All right, we're, you're just going to have to watch the small one here. Uh, this will be off the Sons of Liberty website, but this is um, the Homosexual Manifesto. Take a listen. Whoa, wait. Whoa. I block it out so I can kind of start it up. Let's do it like this. A little hot there, a little hot. This is the Gay Manifesto by Michael Swift, first published in Gay Community News. February 15th through the 21st in 1987. It is also reprinted in the congressional record. This is what it states. We shall sodomize your sons, emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, in your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, in all your male clubs, in your house of Congress, whenever men are with men together. Your sons shall become our minions and do our biddings. They will be recast into our image. All laws banning homosexual activity will be revoked Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. All homosexuals stand together as brothers. We shall triumph only when we present a common face to the vicious heterosexual enemy. If you dare to cry faggot, it states, fairy queer at us, we will stab you in your cowardly hearts and defile your dead 
puny bodies. We will unmask the powerful homosexuals who masquerade as heterosexuals. You will be shocked and frightened when you find that your presidents and their sons, your industrialists, your senators, your mayors, your generals, your athletes, your film stars, your television personalities, your civic leaders, your priests, are not the safe, familiar, heterosexual figures you assume them to be. We are everywhere. We have infiltrated your ranks. Be careful when you speak of homosexuals because we are always among you. We may be sitting across the desk from you. We may be sleeping in the same bed with you. All churches who condemn us will be closed. Our only gods are handsome young men. For us, too much is not enough. All males who insist on remaining stupidly heterosexual will be tried in homosexual courts of justice and will become invisible men. We shall rewrite history, history filled and debased with your heterosexual lies and distortions. We shall be victorious because we are filled with the ferocious bitterness of the oppressed who have been forced to play seemingly bit parts in your dumb heterosexual shows throughout the age. We too are capable of firing guns and manning the barricades of the ultimate revolution. Tremble, hetero swine, when we appear before you without our masks. Have you heard or read this article before? Why not? Okay, all right, so there it is. Look, and I, I'm reading some of the chat, um, you know. <sighs> yes, being deceived and being lied to is a problem. But is our job to be those who discern between the lies and the deception. It, that's what our job is. And praise God, Mel, I, I see, you know, Mel's the one making mention. I, praise God that you're repentant of that. That's, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing anyway? That's the message. It, it, you know, God says in Deuteronomy that he sends false prophets in the people's midst for what? To test them. How do you determine whether or not you got a false prophet in your midst? Well, there's two different ways. One is they tell you something's going to come to pass, and it doesn't come to pass. The Bible says that you are to put them six feet under. You're to have a rock party with them, a stoning, and you are to bury them. You're to put the evil away. That's what the scriptures say. Okay. The other one is, is if they come in and they tell you something's going to happen, and it does happen, but they lead you after a God you have not known. Well... What are you to do? You're to do the same thing with that person. You're not to be afraid of them. You're to bring the commands, the statutes, and the judgments of God upon their heads. I know that's hard for some people. They say, oh, Jesus would never... Jesus is the one who gave that law. He gave that instruction. He is the lawgiver. I don't know why people think that Jesus was not giving the law there on Sinai. It doesn't make any sense to me. Is he the God of gods? Is he the creator? Is he the maker of all things? Yes, he is. He's the one who said before Abraham was, I am. That is the very name that God gave Moses to tell the people who sent him, I am. Yeah, Jesus was the one who gave the law. And by the way, he gave the death penalty. He reaffirmed it in the New Testament, by the way, too. I know some people don't like that. 
But that's the, that's the fact of the matter. And because we don't have that, because we don't bring justice, and that's what real justice would do for a lot of this, we, we, we ignore the commands of God. We ignore His statutes. We ignore His judgments. And we bring this on ourselves. That's what we do. And we bring it on our kids. We really do. What are we told in Scripture? This is the, ad, this is the admonishment. This is the ex- exhortation for those of you who still have your kids in the public schools and dealing with these kinds of things. And I don't say this with any hatred or looking down my nose at you. I'm just saying this is what God said to do. It's not what Tim says to do. It's what God said to do. Look at what he says. We go over this a million times. Look at how they're linked to each other. How do we pass things on to one another? How do we pass them on? We have to spend time with them. We have to talk with them. Okay? Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess. What is he talking about? Everything that came before there, the first five chapters of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. That's the understanding of of the, the term Deuteronomy. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all thy statutes and his commandments... So he says, I've given you the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments of the Lord that he commanded to teach you. And he, he says, I gave them to you so you might fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son. Hmm, how are they going to learn them? Because you're going to teach them, Dad. All the days of thy life. And that thy days may be prolonged. Oh, there's a benefit for you, parents. Your days may be long. Hmm. Kind of goes right in there with obeying, honoring mom and dad, right? The fifth commandment. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. Do what? Keep the commandments and statutes and judgments of the Lord. That it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers had promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. How are you going to live long days? How are you going to you know, increase mightily? All of that, obeying the Lord, remembering His commands, statutes, and judgments, and then passing them on to your offspring. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he's primarily talking to the fathers. Even when we go over to Ephesians 6, we'll look at it in a minute, <clears throat> the word parents there, when you get to six, uh, is it can refer to both, but it's largely pointed at the fathers. They're the, they're the teachers. They're the ones who do that. Now, moms teach too, no question about that, but it's dad's responsibility, and I think that's why they address the men. He also says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head, hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And why are you doing this? He kind of reiterates what he told them before. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, 
and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What's happened in America? We have been blessed beyond measure. Our blessings have turned into cursings on us. Why? Because we forgot the Lord. We forgot His commands, His statutes, and His judgments. And we think they're... That's, we, we have been so deceived and conditioned to think they're for the Old Testament. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Nowhere did Jesus revoke the command statutes and judgments of God. Nowhere. He affirmed them. Paul affirmed them. Do we tear down the law? No. God forbid we esteem the law. And Christians today are told, well, the law is bad. What? What Bible are you people reading? Paul says it's right, it's holy, it's just, it's good. Do I stake my salvation on the law? No way. Because I know me. Or at least, let me put it this way. I know me as best I can know me. And God knows me better than that. And he tells us our hearts are wicked, desperate, sick. Who can know them? They're deceitful. I put my hope in the Lord Jesus for salvation from sin, but it is from sin. Which means you've got to overcome it. This is why Paul, the same Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, he'll say you are to mortify those deeds. In the Listen, you call yourself a Christian and you just kind of lackadaisically talk about your sin and how you just sin all the time, and blah, 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 and oh, I just got to ask Jesus. For I, I do the same old sins. It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you putting to death the deeds of those flesh, of your flesh? Or are you relishing in them? Using the grace of God as a license for sin. Because what, what, if you're doing that, then you might want to check and see whether or not you're in the faith. Let's go to the New Testament real quick. I'm going to run over just a little bit. We're not going to stay long, I promise. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page. Or Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. We'll pick it up there. Just a few minutes over, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, and then Bradley will be with you at 3, and Lord willing, we're going to see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m. bright and early. Talk to you then. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And... Um, Here's Ephesians 6. So this is, we go from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, saying you need to teach these things to your kids, right? Uh, your children, your offspring. Yeah, see, I still have some of that in my language too. And that, that's a part of repentance. I was telling my son the other day, <clears throat> he asked me about something, and I said, well, that's kind of a good thing. And then I thought, and I thought, wait a minute, I'm correcting my language because I, I'm wanting to not call things good that are not good. They may be well done in whatever genre they're in, whether it's a music or a film or a book or whatever, but they're not necessarily good. Remember, Jesus said there's only one good, and that's God. And that really convicted me that I'm using the term good over things that I shouldn't use it over. Okay? 
Um, but here is Ephesians 6, and it's confirming the same thing. Notice what it said. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. If we have any... <clears throat> excuse me. If we have any younger listeners out there, still living at home with mom and dad, and you're under their instruction, their protection, this is for you. Why do you obey your parents and the Lord? It's right. It's the right thing to do. It's commanded of God that you honor your mother and father. And by the way, same promise here in the New Testament as in the old one. So your days are long. Honor thy father and mother, verse 2, which is the command, which is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Hmm. Interesting. Honor your father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Then we read this. And ye fathers, again, the word here in the Greek is parenthos, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, how do you provoke your children to wrath? Hmm, how can that be? If you were like I was, um, you know, my dad didn't have a problem spanking. Didn't have a problem with that. Um, and, you know, I saw in my dad, he sought to practice what he preached. Did he do it perfectly? No, there's probably things that I saw that I could recount. I mean, look, when you live in a home with somebody, uh, the person who knows your sins best is probably your spouse or your children, or both. They, other than God. <laughs> They're the ones who can point it out. They see it. They see your imperfections, your flaws, your sins. They see it. All day long they see it. So how do you provoke your children to wrath? One way is you preach to them things that you against things that you yourself are engaged in. You want to, you want to get a child uh, stirred up to wrath? Start telling them they can't do something that you're openly doing. And I'm talking about wicked things. I'm not talking about, you know, things as you grow older that you're capable of doing because you have the responsibility, the understanding of the seriousness of the nature and stuff. We're not talking about that. That's a way you, you drive them to wrath. Another way is to be on them about every little thing, every little speck you see in their life. Now, I'm not saying don't correct your children. What I'm saying is it's all in the way you're doing it. If you're never exhorting them and encouraging them to move forward and giving them the purpose that the Scripture says that they're to glorify God and enjoy Him, you can sit there and spout out all the corrections you want and, and, and you're just going to make them mad. You're just going to make them mad. You're going to stir them up to wrath and they're going to turn on you. So, he tells them, provoke not your children to wrath, but instead bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, that sounds tender, and there are, ten there are tender parts to that. There are tender affections to that. We love our kids, right? Sometimes we do have to be harsh with them. Sometimes we have to be a little loud and get their attention. 
or grab them by the shoulders and say, look at me when I'm talking to you. Sometimes, especially when they're younger, you have to correct them. You have to get their attention by a swat on the backside. It's not there to harm them. It is there to discipline them, to disciple them. And some people say, well, that's, that's child abuse. Well, let me ask you something. Is it child abuse when the uh, drill sergeant is in there <laughs> shouting obscenities, making guys do push-ups, clean the latrine? Is that somehow abuse? I, I tell you, I, some of it I've seen looks like abuse. <laughs> some of it that I've seen is. But, but what is their goal? Their goal is to take those men and to make them into soldiers. Now, the Bible has Paul admonishing Timothy to be a good soldier, to fight the good fight of faith, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He uses some of the imagery of, of training. He talks about boxing. I, don't, I beat my body into subjection. He's talking about mortifying the deeds of the flesh so that I am not a castaway, so I'm not unqualified. I bring myself under control. Why? That is a fruit of the Spirit, self-control. That's what he does. But he says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice, see what that says? Nurture, admonition. You're going to care for them. You're going to instruct them. And you're going to not just do it with this, your boca, your mouth. You're going to do it in your deeds. You're going to show them what you do so that they will follow that. He goes on and he talks about servants with their masters. Yep. It's actually slaves. I know a lot of people don't like don't they don't like that term, but that's what they were. Oh, slavery so depends on what kind of slavery. If you're if you're man stealing and stuff, yeah, then you get a dirt nap too. If you're kidnapping men, you're going to sell them into slavery? Yep, you get a dirt nap too. That's part of God's law. Again, everything isn't a death penalty. But you commit a capital crime, there's about 12 of them in the scriptures. You don't get three hots and a cot in a jail cell. You get dirt thrown over you. That's what you get. And that's a part of what man does for his family. I was listening the other day there was a guy, he had like a little short thing, and I would play it, but there was a little profanity at the front, but something he said during what he was talking about, about being a dangerous man. And I, I, I'm convinced all of us men, we need to be dangerous men. You don't have to go tell everybody how dangerous you are. You just need to be one. In fact, the less you say about it, the better. And he was talking about the guy who's probably the most dangerous man in the room is not the guy where the lights are on him. It's not the guy, you know, doing a lot of talking. It's the guy back in the corner checking everybody out, listening to what everybody's saying, and not saying anything. He's probably the most dangerous. I tend to agree with that. I've seen that so many times. But we've got to start being dangerous men, guys. Dangerous men who love the Lord. Love our wives, love our children. We are instructors, we are teachers, we are protectors, we are providers. We're to be at the forefront of this. 
And again, both of these families, the one in Indiana and the one in Montana, I'm going to tell you why they're picked off. And this is going on. It's because the men are not getting together in the community and doing what men used to do years ago. They're not doing what they used to do. Men used to train together. Talk about with weapons. Men used to get together and tell each other what was going on in their communities. They used to talk about those things. And they used to seek what the solution to it was. How they could bring justice. How they could right the wrongs. There's not a lot of men doing that today. They're just complaining about it. Throwing their hands up. There's nothing we can do. The devil's in control. See, you bought the lie. The devil's in control. You've bought the lie. And that's what's hamstrung the men, for the large part, here in the United States. Especially in the church. The entire dispensationalism, kind of futurism teaching, oh, the world's just going to go to hell in a handbasket. You know, this, God put us on the earth. He saved us from our sin and left us here. Why? Because He's accomplishing a purpose in the earth. And He's using us, the people that He has redeemed in His Son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish that purpose. And if we don't accomplish that purpose, what have we seen? He will bring correction. He will bring discipline. He will bring judgment. If we don't do it. And oh my goodness, if we don't see it in what's happening to the younger generation, the children and the young people, if we don't see that judgment on them, then you're blind. You're completely blind. What we have left off is falling on them. What we have left off is falling on them. I'm not going to... Look, the baby boomers have a lot to answer for. The guys before them have a lot to answer for, for what they left off. But we have a lot to answer for. And you know what? God's not going to accept the excuse. Oh, I know the baby boomers. I'm already going to deal with them. But what about you? You knew the truth too. And what did you do? Oh, the devil's in control. (laughs) Don't you know God? He's in control. And I can see God just shaking his head at foolish men like that and saying, "Uh, the devil's my devil. I control him. I'm in control of what he does or doesn't do. I don't let him I don't let him off the chain. I mean even when you see him loose Satan on Job, what happens? He's on a leash. You can go down there and touch all his stuff, don't touch him. Well you can go down there and touch him, but you can't kill him. See, God's the one in control. Get that through your head. Get it into your heart. He's the one in control, not the devil. He is. But the wickedness has arisen because godly men have not done their duties. Simple as that. When are we going to repent? When are we going to repent? The New Testament says that we're to have repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Sorry about that. I didn't move my cursor enough and the screen froze up here. What does that mean? Is it just something that takes place internally with no outward evidence? On the contrary, 
there should be an abundant amount of fruit that comes out of someone's life who really is repentant, who really does put their faith in Jesus Christ. And this is why you guys who have your political idols, this is why when people started coming out and they tell these stories about, say, I don't know, Donald Trump, he became a Christian after he got in the White House. Well, that's very convenient, isn't it? Never came out of Donald Trump's mouth, though. Came out of all kinds of other people. Oh, I was there when he did this. Well, then why isn't Donald Trump talking about it? Paul talked about his conversion. I've talked about mine. We've talked about, and it was very apparent, I think, in Paul's life. I think people who knew me would say it was very apparent that there was a change that took place in our life. It was evident to everybody. Why isn't it evident to everybody when other people say they come to Christ? You know, we played that video from uh, the Super Bowl. They did. He gets us thing. You know, Jesus is washing feet. Nonsense. Nonsense. That's not what's going on. And then we played the one this pastor made about the people who have been transformed. In fact, I just, I, I liked it so much, I played it, I played it last night. Just watch. It was only a minute. Just to be reminded, because you see these people who've made these professions of faith. And look, I don't know their hearts. I see certain things that I kind of go, hmm, I, I don't know about that person. But I also see evidence where they're leaving off things. They're getting rid of things. Because of their professed faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, we're going to close out the show with this. Because it's so powerful at the end. It, it really isn't about us. It's about Christ. It's about what He has done. This is, uh, this is that video for you guys who didn't get to see it the other day when we played it. This was this pastor's response to the uh, He Gets Us Super Bowl ad. Check it out. Hang on, let me back this up. I always get this going and then I have a problem. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. Such were some of you. Such was me. But God, who is rich in mercy, quickened us. For it is by grace you have been saved. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, lest anyone 
should boast. Why does Paul throw that in there? I don't boast on my goodness. I don't boast on my keeping of the law. I certainly don't boast in my attractive appearance or anything else. I got only one person I can boast in, and that is Christ. He is the perfect Son of God, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And guess what? He takes away Tim Brown's sin. And He takes away your sin if you're repentant. If you're going to stand there and justify your sin, if you're going to give all kinds of excuses of why you sin, and just say, oh, thank Jesus. You don't know what real grace is. You don't know what it is. I've been there. I've been there. If, if our lives are not in some way shining the light that we, have, that we are indeed alive in Christ, then we have every reason to examine ourselves and question whether or not we're actually in the faith. And I'm going to tell you, friend, listen, that is not the devil talking to you. That is the Lord. I know I've been there too. How do I make a profession? How do I go to church? How have I getting all this stuff in? How is it that I don't like it when people, even in that, even in that, that time of my rebellion, I didn't like it when people spoke against the Bible. I didn't like it when they spoke against Jesus. And here my life was, was speaking out against him. That's what my life did. And I go, how can I be a believer and live like that and enjoy it? Well, I can't. I can't. And God had to do a work in my life. A work I am unable to do. And so are you. You are helpless. This is why we bring the law in. The law drives you to Christ. That's what Paul says. You hold the law up high. And I think this is why God told the fathers, teach it to your kids. Teach them my law. My commands, my statutes, and my judgments. It's not just the thou shalt not. It's what you do when that line is crossed. Whose jurisdiction it is to take care of it because some of those things start in the home. You can take the example of the, they, they find the daughter has been playing the whore. Well, what does it first say? Dad's the one to deal with it first. And if dad sees that, yep, this was going on, daughter's repentant, dad can just say, you're forgiven, kind of like what Nathan did for David. But if not, if there's an orneriness and if there's a rebelliousness there, dad can take the daughter to the elders of the, the city. They can judge the matter, and then they're going to take her back to her dad's house, and they're going to stone her. That's what it says. This is a serious thing. I don't have a bloodlust. I, I really don't. I, I, I've told people before, I, I'd rather people just repent. Why can't we just do what God says? Because we're fallen. Because we're sinful. Because we are totally depraved. And we need a Savior from sin. But some people think that He saves us from our sin and just leaves us in it. No, he doesn't. How, how does that work? How are you saved? Let me ask you something. If a guy, if, if, you're, if you're out in the ocean, 
And there's a big shark out there with you. And you got a guy come and he... He's got his boat there, and he reaches down, and he grabs your hand, and he holds onto your hand, but he leaves you in the water. As the shark comes up, and it devours you, has he actually saved you from the shark? Despite the fact that he's got his hand in yours, and the boat's right there? No. That's not a guy that saved you from anything. And this is like modern-day Christians who claim that Christ has delivered them from sin yet they remain in it. They think they're clean from their filthiness, but they're not. It's kind of like the Pharisees. The Pharisees washed the outside of the cup, made sure the, the sepulcher was nice and white, but they stank. They stank. They were full of dead men's bones, is what Jesus said. Clean on the outside cup, dirty on the inside. This is what a large part of America, I believe, has become. They've got all the religious trappings. They're Southern Baptist. They're Assembly of God. They're Episcopalian. They're Presbyterian. They're, you name the thing that they're in. But they don't know Christ. They've never experienced the new birth. And as such, they remain in their sin. Now, I bring all that here, and let me just wrap it up. We're seeing in the culture from those who are, quote-unquote, tolerated in authority, we're seeing them do these things to these children. And they've been doing it for the, to the children for a long time. Now we're hearing the stories more and more where they're coming after the parents. Isn't this what we talked about in Amos? If you won't deal, if you won't bring justice, if you're going to push it off, you're going to bring the evil to your front door. This is what's happening. And I won't say it as a, I told you so. I'm telling you it is a present reality. And then what are you going to do, dads? What are you going to do, moms? Are you going to go along with the state? You're going to let them kidnap your kid? You better start thinking about that. You better start thinking about the means you have to deal with these criminals. And you better get people in your community with you. You better. They're going to need you just like you need them. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. You're going to need them like they need you. TacticalCivics.com. I can't say it enough. TacticalCivics.com. Actually gaining a lot of ground right now. We may see something explode out of that. We got a guy singing about county grand juries now. <laughs> Man, I'd like to see that get a number one song. Knock uh, uh, the nonsense that uh, some of these, these uh, groups and singers put out before the people. How about putting something that's... Help, uh, Wholesome and healthy and good and right and just and holy. Let's make that song number one. <laughs> Get it in the minds and the hearts of the people and it'll eventually come out. It will. This is why music is such a powerful influence in the culture. It really is. I'd love to see Christian songs come up that actually talk about rendering justice. 
Now, not just talking about how Jesus made you feel for the day. Although that's perfectly fine that those kinds of songs exist if they're biblical. But about Christian duty. Let's have some of that. By the way, if you're if you go to a church, grab you a Psalter. We've got a little book called Bible Songs. It's all of the Psalms put to music. Get you a Psalter and sing that. It is the Word of God that you're singing back to Him. It's praise to Him. It's perfect praise because it's His Word that you're repeating back to Him. Do those things. Do it with your kids. This is a part of their training and their teaching. For those who are already doing that, I encourage you to keep doing it. Set the example for others. When people tell you, I can't do it, and they give you all the excuses... Try to help them remove all the excuses. Give them ways in which you had to do the same kind of things. Maybe it was getting a little extra money. Maybe it was quit spending money on certain things. Maybe it was not going out. Whatever you had to do, be that influence to them. Because they are coming for our kids. We still have time to deal with the criminals. We really do. I believe that. I believe we do. But we're going to get it when we're dealing with it in our sphere of influence. If you're still looking to D.C., if you still think the vote is how you're going to fix things, I don't hate to be the bearer of bad news because I don't see it as bad news. I see it as good news. I say you're sadly mistaken, and you're only going to find the victory when you do it God's way. Period. Bradley will be with you at 3. Lord willing, we'll see you back here in the morning at 6 a.m. bright and early. Talk to you then.